guilt and shame are amazing coaches. They just tap mm. you on the shoulder and they say, Glenn, you missed something with your partner. Mm. You, you, you missed that, buddy. Good. I'm glad I felt guilt. And I don't want to drown in guilt for three days or three weeks, which I used to do all the time. But it's just tapping me on the shoulder going, hey, dude, you've missed that thing with her. She felt really hurt. She felt really wounded by what yeah. you said. Good. I'm glad I felt guilt because if I don't feel guilt, then I just keep repeating it mm. over and over and over mm. again. And for the record, a guilt and shame-free person is what we call a sociopath. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Iris Global Green Room. Uh, good to be with you guys. I hope you really enjoy this. I know I am going to enjoy this because I've done this before. Mm. I've sat across. But how the... Uh, Mighty turntables have turned. Mm. Yes. I'm in control of this session <laughs> right awesome. now. We're here. <laughs> uh, today, uh, we have uh, some good friends of mine, um, Dr. Glenn and Phyllis. And these guys, I asked them to be in here. Uh, I asked them to come because, as you all know, I bring in my friends. I bring in people that I love and people that have been a huge part of my life. And these guys uh, have wonderfully... <laughs> Uh, entered into my life in a time when I when when Moosey and I really needed it, mm. and I thought you guys would love to hear uh, what they bring to the table, and because I was challenged, and I want you guys to be challenged. So let's get right into it. Mm. Hey guys, yes, Hi. hello world. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having us. It's really, really, really great to have you guys. Uh, I normally uh, bring in ministers, right? Which I would say you are, but. But I'm really excited about this because what I love is how you have breached both worlds mm -hmm. and really tie them together so beautifully. And after probably I've spent over 30, 40 grand at this point on different mm -hmm. marriage counseling techniques, tips, um, it felt like you guys brought a missing piece, mm -hmm. at least into my faith walk and marriage that I had never heard before. And still to this day, uh, I find myself... I find myself going back and teaching some of the things that mm. I learned. Wow. And even as I'm counseling people, it was y'all's ministry, y'all's work, y'all's passion that shifted the way that I saw emotions playing out mm. in the Bible, emotions playing out in my life. And yeah, I was hoping we could chat about that a little bit today yeah. and maybe inform some of these guys. Yeah. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. Absolutely. But before we do that, Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Like our story? Anything, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think there is an importance to our story because uh, we met young, teenagers, and before we got married, we thought we had all the things in place that, that create and build an incredible marriage. And everything from, you know, the ability to pray together, to read scripture together, you know, one of the things that drew me to Glenn was his knowledge of the word, his passion for the word. And I'm like, okay, this is what I want in a man that I marry. And, you know, we, before we got married, we had good jobs. We bought our first house, uh, closed on it two weeks before the wedding. All the things that you go, man, this is a great couple. You know, they love ministry. They love each other. They have all the foundational things. And of course, we also were really committed to let's not have sex before we're married and so we're like, okay, this is going to be a sure thing. And, you know, it's like even the wedding. I mean, everything about it was just so much honoring God. 
And then the honeymoon happens. Mm. And dang, it was like for me just a trauma experience. Which is the greatest 11 seconds of my life. Well, our wedding night. So, okay, okay. And I had no idea I'd married such an ungrateful person <laughs> who did not appreciate that okay. 11 seconds. It was shocking. Yeah, and that 11 <laughs> seconds just blew my mind. <laughs> well, let's go. Not in a good way. <laughs> and, you know, it's like it was no one had really talked to us. Yeah. It was almost like we don't talk about sex. We just talk about other things that have to do with marriage. and well, One of which is non-sex. We talk about no sex. Well, right. Sex purity, is bad. purity, sex purity. Is yeah. And yeah. so we're like, okay, we got that down. Mm. But we knew nothing. And so I really went into it thinking that finally this is the ultimate of ultimate. Yeah. And it's going to be the most incredible spiritual experience. And that 11 seconds did not do it for me mm. at all. Mm. And I didn't know what was happening. Like, And I didn't have the language to communicate it. I didn't know how to show up authentically. Mm. And so I just kind of shut down and came home from that honeymoon, mm. looking around going, no one talked to me before, so who do I talk to now? Who mm. do I trust? And everyone around us at church seemed happy. And so I'm like, okay, I, I, everyone else must have done well in that. I It must be me. Yeah. So really quickly I thought, I'm just broken. Mm. And Glenn thought, well, okay, I guess you are. And so we just in silence suffered, and that created so much more damage in those first weeks, months, years of our marriage, because we still loved God, we still prayed together, but that was like this separate nightmare, seriously, in our life, that it was like, okay, we're married, so I'm supposed to do this thing that I absolutely hate, Mm -hmm. I don't understand, and don't know who to talk to. Right. And so it just caused so much stress and tension between us. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it was a, f- a few years in before I ever voiced one thing about mm-hmm. it to a friend. Mm-hmm. And very quickly with one conversation, that's what's crazy, one conversation, <laughs> I found out, oh, you're not broken. You just don't know yeah. what you don't know. And then it, w- it was like this, this ray of hope came in. Mm-hmm that said, oh, I'm not broken, and there's actually hope, and it's like you just need to know what you're doing, and yeah. you need to understand the female body, the male body. It, it was just mind-blowing. Yeah. And going into that changed everything for us. And so then that became a huge shift where we started right. figuring that part well, out. Well, the problem by that point is we had done so much wounding to each mm-hmm. other, so much damage, trauma which took years and years and years to recover from. But the thing that stands out to me so much from a macro view, and, and I'm a marriage therapist now, this is my field, is what I study exhaustively. And I've never been to the wedding where people don't believe that they found the one. Right. Mm-hmm. They're voluntarily <laughs> showing up on this wedding day. For us, 24 hours before our wedding, we were excited about happily ever after. 48 hours after our wedding, we were like, what the heck? And we had just signed a 70-year contract. So, because I was 20, I figured I'd die when I was 90. I was hoping it'd be yeah. sooner at that point. Um, but I'm like, well, okay, I'm in this for 70 years. What yeah. in the world? And I was mad at God for a long time. I was mad mm. at Phyllis, too, because I felt like I'd been scammed. You know, yeah. there's a bait and switch or something. I didn't know what the heck had happened. And again, we had nobody to talk to because we'd never talked to anybody, and sex was a taboo topic. And, and marriage in general was a taboo topic. Right. And we mostly just talked about Scripture and God and love and worship and ministry and which is fine. Yeah. But we were missing this crucial 
fundamental part of, of life. And so, you know, a couple years in, there was a little bit of a shift that very slowly began turning a very large ship. But we were a good 10 years in when all of our friends started divorcing. And we were fascinated wow. by that because we're just like, wait, what? What happened for them? It didn't happen for us. I mean, we were maxed out on pain and disconnect and struggle. So what happened for them that didn't happen for us? And that began, uh, I don't claim to understand how God works and spirit works, but this may have been one of those things because you know, people would go, oh, what happened? Yeah. You know, and they'd be like, oh, we fell out of love. And then that's the answer. Right. Well, we somehow thought to ask the follow-up question, mm. like, Wait, wait, what does that mean you fell out of love like on a Thursday at 3 yeah. p.m.? Because at some point you allegedly fell in right. love. You know, people say, oh, we grew apart. Wait, like on a Tuesday at 6? What do you mean you grew apart? And initially just kind of out of morbid curiosity. Uh, and then that became a quest and then a mission. And now it's our passion because we figured out. Uh, and let me make it abundantly clear to the audience that yeah. I'm the educated one. Phyllis is the smart one. I do all the hard work. She figures out what actually matters. And this became my field. I'm just like, we have to figure this out. This does, Phyllis and Glenn are smart people. Phyllis and Glenn are talented people. How could they possibly go from 24 hours before the wedding, happily ever after, 48 hours after thinking, what the heck, we just got run over by a train? That's not possible. Yeah. How, how could that possibly? And then, again, as we started realizing that that was what was happening all around us, and the problem is we'd sit with, you know, five other couples all six couples think that the other five couples are doing great. Right. And then all six Been couples drive rooms. home yep. going, man, I wish we were like, you know, the Johnsons or yeah. the Wilsons or the Stansels. We're struggling. And none of us knew. None of us talked about it. We're all completely mm. shielded, inauthentic. And so nobody knows that, oh, no, 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 All six of us are, you know, everybody's unique, but yeah. all six of us are struggling. But there's no conversations of that depth. Uh, and so it took us a long time to realize, oh, okay, this is real for pretty much everybody. Again, every human's unique, therefore every couple's unique. But we're all dealing with stuff, but we just never talked about it. Mm. Yeah. So hard. And then, so so it was, what, 10 years after, you start seeing your friends fall apart. Right. And you said you, were, you went on this quest. Mm -hmm. That led you to, were you studying for your doctorate at this point? No, or? no, 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 no. No, I was... Uh, a contractor, not a very good one, um, but I worked hard. <laughs> why wouldn't you? Why weren't you a good contractor? Well, because my specialty was making a five month job last a year for okay. the same price, which I did over and over again. This poor girl, you know, we had babies young, <laughs> and she's a stay at home mom. And I'd come home, I'd be like, "Babe, I got this new. I signed this new contract. It's going to be incredible." And a freaking year later, she's like, "You're still on the same <laughs> job for the same dollars." And I'm very, very relational. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking about before we got on air that. Um, you know, I'd have a crew of guys in the van smoking cigarettes and I'm in the house, you know, we're doing this kitchen renovation. Right. I'm in the house helping this couple work through their latest conflict. <laughs> My guys are in the van smoking cigarettes. They think it's awesome because yeah. they're getting paid. Yep. They don't care. And so they'd sit there for an hour and a half. Well, that cuts into my profit margin. And I'm thinking, I can't not talk to these people about their struggle, about yeah. their conflict. So I was so relational and, and I'm not good at management anyway, but setting that up and I deal with a number of psychological disorders, one of which is obsessive compulsive disorder. So I would redo the job mm. four times. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, literally like something's not perfectly straight and Phyllis actually worked with me for a year to try to figure out what in the heck was happening <laughs> for this poor guy. And, um, she would tell me, she goes, babe, nobody's ever going, I mean, I'm talking about things like, you know, tile's not perfect in the right. back of the pantry. It's going to be under a cloth, under mm -hmm. a shelf. She's like, it, that, that doesn't really matter. I'm like, what? No, you, we, this happened. <laughs> and I, we didn't understand what was happening with me. 
And so I would spend an extra 20 minutes yeah. recutting that tile, making it perfect for nothing. You don't gain anything right. from that. And so it was just continuous. Uh, and again, she's busy with our babies, keeping them alive, which she did an amazing job with that. So I did a good product. It just took so freaking long. I yeah. couldn't, uh, couldn't make it a, a viable business. So, so you'd go to these houses. You would be counseling naturally, right? right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, I mean, one of the things that, one of the things that, because I, I go to a lot of stuff. I hear a lot of people, and I, you know, after doing this for twenty years, you know, I have some, you know, walls up. I think rightfully so. But, but don't look at me like that. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I, no, I just, I just, I just I'm Matt, not in Matthew, the session edit, right now. Edit I'm that out. You're the leader, Will. Uh, um, oh, wow. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but one of the things that really drew me to you both was watching you at Legacy. Mm-hmm. and and teach and i think i saw both of you start to weep as you're talking about the brokenness of marriages and how easy it is to get past that. you know how or maybe easy is not the right word but how how simple the the, mm. the technique yeah. is yeah. and when i when i see anybody weep over the bride right mm-hmm. over the law over people you can tell that it's more than just a a job it's this is a passion and you what you guys do is most definitely a passion. Mm. Um, so, so you left construction. Well, let me make that abundantly okay. clear. Every benchmark that's happened in our relationship has been this girl's doings. I'm the, supposed to be so freaking intelligent, but I'm dumb as a brick in so many ways. And so, and literally, I mean, going through our history, I'm like, yeah, that was a Phyllis thing. That was a Phyllis thing. That was a Phyllis thing. Glenn agreed, but that was really a Phyllis thing. So, um, in the 2000s, she said to me, babe, as hard as you work, we should be rich and we're not rich. So <laughs> we got to do something different. And I was terrified. I was so overwhelmed because I'm like, we'll starve to death. We'll die. And she goes, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll take care of dollars. And she'd never worked for a paycheck in her. I mean, some little jobs, but she had never built a business. And this woman is just gifted, talented, pisses me off a little bit. She just knows how to run yeah. stuff. And she's one of the most productive people on the planet. Her maiden name is NATO. I call her the tornado. I mean, it's just unbelievable watching her. I'm like, how did I always think she's a, probably a witch or something, you know, Sabrina, you know, she wiggles her nose and just stuff happens. And I was like, that would have taken me an hour and a half to do that. And I think you did it in six minutes. This is not fair. But anyway, so she said, you know, as hard as you work, you should be rich. She goes, you have to stop working. And again, I'm thinking, I don't know a lot of men whose wives said to them, you have to stop working. I've heard a lot of wives go work harder, make more money. Dang it. I don't know a lot of, women that have said to their husbands, stop working. So she said, you got to go back to school, finish your, at that point I hadn't finished my undergrad and uh, she said, finish your undergrad. I did. She started building a business. And again, it was annoying because she was so successful. It was organization, organizational stuff. If I remember correctly. No. You no. mean what I built? Yeah. Or it, cl- was, it was cleaning. It was, yeah, right? It was yeah. a right. residential commercial cleaning yeah. company. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if I remember from the sessions, you crushed it. Yeah, oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. you just exploded. Yeah, I don't know if this is appropriate to say, but I used to tell her, I said, "Baby, you fart fifties. It just kind of, it's not fair." Uh, I kid you. This is a true story. We, we were. I don't even remember what. The I don't even know was. what that means. Like, I, okay, we. Just, I would find money. Yeah, just around the house. She's made so much money, yeah. and I actually kept her books at the beginning. I had time to do that, and I just started looking at like her, literally her hourly rate. Mm. And I'm just like, how, how do you make that? Like she would wiggle her little finger and generate an extra $900 for the week. And I'm, and I'm embellishing a little, but not much. So then I'm, uh, we have one of these, our recliners have the Velcro on the back. Yeah. It's a true story. I was doing, I don't know why I dropped my phone or something in it. And I pulled the Velcro up and some hundred dollar bills fell out of the, 
<laughs> like, what is happening here? That I would have had to work an extra three days right. back when I was in business. Right. So it was just stunning to me to watch her. She's just so gifted. She's so yeah. amazing with people, managing people, so productive, maximizing their productivity, which I was never good at. And so I got to go back to school, which was thrilling, but also a little bit terrifying because I'm like, we're going to die any day yeah. now. We'll probably be homeless within six weeks. That may have been a little bit of a tangent, no, but I'm not a tangent. So we're person. good. Uh, you yeah. are, but have um, you ever known me to get on? <laughs> not once. But I think that the beauty of what happened during that season, because for all the previous decades of our marriage, once we got just a little bit of help, we mm. were just it became our passion to help others. Yeah. And yes, Glenn worked in construction to put food on our table, but every night we were pouring into. Mm young couples, you know, we were always very eager at within our, you know, the different churches that we were part of to be a big part of the young marriage ministry or, you know, just wanted to make a difference yeah. in people's lives because of our own story. And, you know, for Glenn to be able to go back to school, it was this idea of, you know, this has got to become your life, not just in a sense, your part-time job because the construction was never, he was never meant to be in that arena. He did it to support our family because we were young and poor in the beginning. And, you know, it's kind of like all of that time, like for me to have a company that was doing really well, yeah. afforded him time to go all the way and get his doctorate and then to do tons and tons of research. Yeah, And that is kind of where we are today because even though the early part, was kind of the realization, wow, if we had simply just known more mm. about sex, we would have avoided a lot of damage. But then we realized that's not the only thing. Right. Sexual connection is super important in your marriage, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But we realized that if you don't have emotional connection without mm. that, then your sexual connection only goes so far. And so that became Glenn's work, his passion, his research was about emotional connection and kind of back to the whole, what causes couples to disconnect? Right. Because most people, I know not everywhere in the world, but most of the time you choose your spouse and you are wanting this marriage. And yeah. so it's like, why are we disconnecting? Like what is happening in society that marriages are are hurting so badly. And, you know, what we do now is a lot with, especially with pastors and those yep. in ministry, and you go, guys, if your marriage isn't solid, it trickles down to all mm. of your people. Yeah, It affects your ministry. Yep. You may not see it, but it does. Mm. And then, you you know, there's story after story of even great ministry ministries that are happening in the world where if the pastor... Mm. If his marriage falls apart, it right. shakes the foundation oh, of the whole church. Oh, we see it all. We see it all over the place. Yes. I mean, I yes. don't want to mention names, but mega churches. Yes, even the small churches. I, I was talking to my neighbor last night uh, about a, a church that people came up on a Sunday morning. Hey, this is what happened. This has happened, and it destroys everything. Yeah. People lose their. Yeah. People go through a struggle of faith. Kids question whether God's real or not. It's mm. it's it's yeah. absolutely horrible, especially from leaders, but. But even in, in the homes, right? Yeah. Like whether you're a leader in a church or not, it's we're called to raise families. Yeah. And 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 they are falling apart. We deal with it all the time. So so define connection for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't I actually didn't mention this. The name of um 
your organization, your ministry. What? Is, how? How do you? How would I put this? Is connections codes mm-hmm. your your gift? Yeah, right. Connection it, codes. Is yeah. Uh, is connection codes? So define what is a healthy connection. Like what is a connection when we're talking about connection codes? Yeah. Well, and we don't have a scientific uh, definition of that, but you can just kind of tell it. You know, there and not anymore. But there are times that I just don't feel close to Phyllis. I don't feel connected to her. And again, we don't live there anymore, which we'll talk about more about that in a minute, because most people don't even think that's possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that stood out to me so much early on, both in our marriage and then also uh, after I got various semi-worthless degrees, should I say that part? <laughs> you can, that you part, can say so. whatever you want. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> we, we can edit things. Yeah. <laughs> or not. <laughs> edit the semi part. Um, but uh, so I, I just... So thinking, nobody plans this. Nobody right. on their wedding day. I've never again go to a lot of weddings. Never heard the vows be. You know, babe, I'm going to be connected with you. I'm going to be close with you for, I don't know, six months, maybe two years, right. and, and then our relationship will dissipate into some level of blahness. Right. And then I'll just we just live. Hang on for dear life right. for fifty years. Bite down on a stick. Endure the pain. I've never heard that as the plan. Again, every wedding I've ever been to, the couple's like. Nobody understands what we, I mean, yeah. we have a special, special romance bond, whatever. Yeah. And they don't realize, and our research says we think about 90 to 92% of marriages are unsuccessful based on their self-report. So this isn't me saying, oh, I don't think it's, this is themselves saying we don't think we're successful relationally. 90 so, to 92%. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, the survey we did, um, again, interviewed tons and tons of couples, but the two big questions were, number one, are you living what you hoped for on your wedding day or better? And almost all of them go, no, not really. And then the uh, other question is, are you hoping your children get to experience what you're experiencing in your marriage? And almost 100% go, not really. I mean, no. Well, that's unsuccess. It's like, well, wait, you don't even have what you were wanting. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you, you buy a car and it doesn't run most of the time. And you're like, eh, whatever, it's just doesn't run most of the time. Yeah. Anyway, it just drives me nuts that we've done this culturally. And it's not a new development. This is centuries old. I don't think the divorce rate is any higher now than it was 100 years ago. Okay. Just now people actually fill out the paperwork. But the divorce yeah. rate, uh, if marriage is about a relationship, divorce is about the loss of that relationship. So Phyllis and I lived divorced for a lot of years where we're not really connected. Uh, we co-parented really, really well, and we actually shared most of the same values. So it's not like we even fought about right. finances or what. we just weren't connected uh, relationally. So it's not a great answer. Well, to your we missed each other. You know, that's the thing in connection. It's the it's the barely missing all right. the time, and part of it is because you know in humans. We experience the same thing, but yet we see it very differently. Mm-hmm. So we're we're going in the same direction. And, and that is what we didn't understand with each other, which is the, the emotional side of what Glenn is experiencing and what I'm experiencing in the same setting can be very, very different. And for so long, we thought it was all about who's right and who's wrong. Yep. Let's put all the logistics on the table, and then let's just see who comes out a little ahead. And whoever comes out a little ahead is the one who's right. Yeah. And we went back and forth with that forever and missed each other over it. Mm-hmm so much and finally understood the relational side mm-hmm. and and for us for example one way it played out one day and this had happened hundreds of times where glenn would unload the dishwasher and i would say babe thanks for unloading the dishwasher and he would not say you're welcome 
he would have some kind of snarky response or just it was like he would go, well, that's not all I did today. And then we it was like we were off to the races. I'd be like, why are you so rude? Why did you know, yeah. here we go back yeah. and forth, back and forth. And finally, one day I said, babe, what do you hear me say? You have to understand when she says one day, we're talking years and years mm. and years and years. I mean, we have no idea. We didn't count. But many, many hundreds, probably thousands of mm -hmm. times of those sorts of interactions. Referencing back to what I said before, I live with one of the most productive people on the planet. She lives with one of the lesser productive people on the planet. I'm fun to have around, but I struggle <laughs> getting stuff done. So when she would say thanks for unloading the dishwasher, what I experienced was I got hit with so much shame that she was making fun of me. Okay. And that her point was, it's a miracle. You did something useful. Yeah. Call the internet. You know, let's have a party. <laughs> throw some confetti. None of that was what was happening right. with her. She literally, genuinely is just saying Thanks for loaning the dishwasher, which she could have married 150 million other men that that would have worked. Yeah. She picked an odd one. So I would hear that message. I would hear, we call them unspoken words, phrases, and sentences. And I would hear the three paragraphs where she's going, I am stunned that you got something done today, that yeah. you were, you've actually contributed to life and you've been productive. Again, none of that was happening for her, but that's what was happening for me. And one day... And she didn't have to do any of this. Again, this is one of the benchmarks. She said, babe, what do you hear me say when I say that? And I said, I hear you say what you said. And I didn't follow it with the B word, but I thought it. Um, and she and she could have walked out of the room yeah. and just flipped me off and said, you're so ridiculous. And she didn't. She stayed in it because she cares about me. She said, yeah, but what's the message yeah. that you hear? And for me, it was obvious. Everybody knew what the message was. She knew what the message was. And I said, I get what your point is, that it's a miracle that I did something useful for a change. Yeah. And I mean, and I remember that because it was a turning point in our relationship. And her eyes got big, and we call it the ooh. She gave me the first ooh of our relationship. She said, oh, no wonder it bothers you whenever I say that. Because, and no wonder you don't say you're welcome, because I've just insulted you. Profusely, I've just demeaned you. I've just mm. humiliated. And again, I'm sitting there going, well, duh. Yeah, everybody knows that. And this wow. was a mega revelation for her. She had wow. no idea that that was what my experience was. And again, slowly turning the ship. But that was a big turn for us, for her to realize that he hears words, phrases, and sentences that Phyllis didn't say. Do, do you remember that moment? Oh, yeah. I yeah. can visualize it. As so what, what caused you, because I love these moments, right? These catalysts. What caused you to not just keep doing what you would always do and 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 go, I need to dig into this and moment. Let me just say, before you answer that, just Phyllis was never wrong for saying thanks for unloading the dishwasher. Yeah. And, and that's just, because the, the point is not that, well, Phyllis was saying that stupid phrase, you know, mm -hmm. she's so wretched hearted. Not at all. But it did also matter what happened for Glenn. And that's what we slowly began figuring out, that Glenn really is experiencing what he's experiencing. And he's not trying right. to experience that. It's very real for him. Mm. Well, it's interesting because I think right before that, there was a couple of movies that were life-changing mm. for me. Yeah. One of them was uh, Russell Crowe. What's the name of that one? A Beautiful Mind. A Beautiful yeah. Mind. So the story of John Nash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it was the very first time in seeing that movie and understanding John Nash's story that I realized that Glenn hears things that are not coming out of my mouth. Mm. And... At this point, we were 
25 years into our marriage. Maybe. I'm and, not sure. and I don't no, know, no. you know, we, like, we, getting married, we didn't understand psychological disorders. We didn't understand so many things. So it took years before we even understood some things that were happening for Glenn. And so when I saw that movie, I was like, okay, he's hearing something that isn't coming out of my mouth or my heart. Right. And, and I think that is probably the dishwasher incident was really shortly after seeing that movie. Cause I know that movie impacted me so greatly and it, it really changed my heart in having a lot more compassion yeah. instead of the frustration that I had been living in yeah. and, and confusion. Cause right. I would be like, okay, if I said thank you to anyone else on this planet, mm-hmm. they would say you're welcome. Yeah. So what am I doing that's, why do I get this reaction, right? Mm. So then that movie just gave me that idea. Well, I'm wondering what he's hearing because what's coming out of my own mouth, what I'm hearing is thank you, but I don't know what he's hearing. Wow. And so I think after seeing that is when I, I remember just like I really can picture it right now because I was at the, at the sink as, you know, and I, I, I guess I was opening the dishwasher thinking I need to unload it, realizing, oh, it's already been unloaded. So I'm standing at the sink. So I turned to him. Thank you for unloading dishwasher. Right. He responds the way he, you know. And I said, that's when I said and turned to him. I said, what do you hear me say? Yeah. And and when he told me, it's again in that moment, it just washed over me like, oh, no wonder. No wonder you respond the way you do. Because what you hear me say is horrible things about you mm. and that you're not enough. Yeah. You know, and that what you do isn't enough. Yeah. And so, you know, that was huge. Uh, and and it was kind of in those times, those were so memorable because we, then I started often saying, babe, what are you experiencing? Babe, what are you hearing me yeah. say? Or even someone else. Mm-hmm. Like I started realizing that other people could say something to Glenn and his response, I'm realizing, oh. You didn't really hear what they said. Right. You heard a completely different message. And so this just started happening where I would be, what's happening to you became that phrase. Mm. And what are you hearing? What's, what are you experiencing? And so, you know, it was not much later after that, that, you know, I just thought, I just had this, and I had been struggling with it for years, the idea that he really needs to go back to school. Yeah. There's so much in that head that needs to, he needs a life change. Like yeah. this needs to be, because he was pouring so much into people, mm-hmm. but it's really hard to work a construction life job, mm-hmm. come home. I would always have dinner ready and then a couple would show up and we would eat and then we'd pour into this, you know, and it was like, okay, there's gotta be a different way to really make this a life, not yeah. just this thing we do on the side. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when he went back to school, it was also so much started changing Yeah. Just in his own, I would say, belief system for himself and the future. And, you know, when you hear the negative messages all the time, then to be in an environment where you're really getting fueled in an area that you love, you know, Mm -hmm. just as far as knowledge and, you know, school was super easy for him. And Mm -hmm. so it was just so many changes started happening. Yeah. And another secret with all of that. And this is before we discovered the connection code. So we were just wandering through the desert, meandering through the forest, trying to figure things out. But 
The big thing that we now know, which we did not know at the time, she just somehow managed to do it, was she did not resist my energy. Mm-hmm. And what we typically do there is that the other, in that situation, Phyllis, would say, what? I didn't say any of that. I didn't mean any of that. Right. I had a great intention by saying thank you for unloading the dishwasher. And what we now know scientifically from the, the research is pretty close to emphatic, which we don't say that very often with human <laughs> behavior, because uh, humans are so, they're bad lab rats, right. and, and it's so difficult to take the general and apply it to the specific. But what the research showed us was that when you resist someone's energy and you reassure them, you make it worse, not better. Uh, okay, hold on. When you resist someone's energy, like, walk me through, show me it. Show, so show people what, for, if for, you don't mind. For Phyllis to say to me, you know, whenever I say, well, you know, I hear you insulting me, I hear you making fun of the fact that I haven't gotten anything else done yeah. all day, it's almost, it's the most counterintuitive part of the connection codes because it is so within most people just to go, what? No, I, I, that's not what I said. That's not what I meant. That's not my intention at all. I was saying it in a positive way. I was saying it as an encouragement because yeah. I really do appreciate you unloading the dishwasher. Everybody thinks that that works. Everybody thinks that that's, that's the right thing to do, and it's not because you're not allowing space for the person's experience. Because what I was experiencing, I was flooded with shame, one of the eight core emotions. I was flooded with shame. And if she had done that, she would be resisting. And, and basically what you're telling the person, and again, we did this research where we surveyed people countless uh, times. What the person receives is, number one, you're wrong to experience what you experience. And oh, by the way, you're stupid. And if Phyllis had said to me, oh, well, babe, just let me let you know, you're wrong to feel shame here and you're stupid. And then if she walked away going, well, I nailed that. I took care of that. I explained yeah. to him how wrong and stupid he was. Not that she said those words. Right. But that's what, so whatever. Somebody comes in the room and says, I feel sad. And we're like, what? Don't feel sad. Right. Slap on the back. You, God loves you. You're doing great. I'm so proud of you. You're awesome. Yeah. And then, and I did this tens of thousands of times in my faith walk for many, many years. I thought I'd help the person. I was mm-hmm. known as the encourager. And I would walk away not realizing person is bleeding out mm. and I literally walked away thinking I did that I nailed that I helped them I lifted them up I drew them to God and what I observed over time was that person never struggled with that again mm. oh no 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 they just never yeah. told me yeah and they may have never told anybody mm. again and so they just hit it and we tell people this all the time they say I feel fear and we go what don't feel fear yep. choose faith Right. Well, I want to know who's choosing fear. I'd like to meet those people. I've never met the person yet who's choosing right. fear. Fear is what happens to you. Uh, they're not. You don't choose fear or not choose uh, fear. Anyway, so we would constantly resist people's energy where we're telling them not to experience what they're experiencing. Don't feel what you feel. Don't have the emotion that you have. And we're conveying to them, number one, you're wrong to experience that. Number two, you're stupid. And we made it worse, not better. You brought up a good point about many good points. But you brought up a really good point, and I and I wanted to hit this because when I first heard this, that's my response, right? I preach the gospel, I preach the word. Fear is faith in Satan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't for what well, I didn't I do not leave you a spirit of fear, but of power, mm-hmm. uh, or God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Jesus said, mm-hmm. "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives." These are the verses that we quote. So. So help help people that are hearing this for the first time, like I did, yeah. right? Under understand what what you're talking talking about, because yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. But there's also Absolutely. we're also made in His image. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's the whole objective of processing core emotions. The whole objective of processing fear is so that we then do get to peace. But to say to, and part of our research was all about looking at children and how they function. Mm -hmm. And a one-year-old feels fear. And if we say to them, stop it, don't feel fear. Yeah. We would never do that. That doesn't make sense. This, this guys, I'm, I'm going to pause here for a second because honestly, like this is what I left a lot of these. Yes, my marriage. Yes, communication. But for me, the biggest personal takeaway that I had was was how I was raising my kids. Mm. Mm. Well, like I I yeah. went back and apologized. I because I'd be like, come on, that's not who you are. We don't do that. You don't have to be scared of that. Mm. And I would leave patting myself on the back. Mm. And and I saw it as soon as you like spelled this out with with the scientific. And I love that. I'm. I've been to so many counselors, so much training from people that have good ideas. Mm-hmm. But I love how God is the God of science. He created Absolutely. this. Mm-hmm. This is not, they're not separate. And, uh, and I, I, I left a lot of the meetings, yes, with processing my marriage, but deeply processing mm-hmm. how I was raising my children. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I want you to listen to this. Just not, those of you guys who are listening, um, I want as as someone who you know and love and trust you i remember what i felt the first time i heard like oh like acknowledging people's fear acknowledging their sadness like no that's not the lord i want you to listen through because Mm. there's more than just what you catch on the surface Mm. and don't let those words throw you off because there's something really deep and beautiful here that has made me love my wife love my kids Mm. more than i ever did uh, up Mm. to this point Mm. so some of my faithfuls, <laughs> right? You've heard me preach on fear. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about... Well, and our goal is to process through the fear. It's yep. not that I want people living in fear. Yep. Fear is just a consultant. Fear is just tapping on the shoulder. That Each core emotion has its own message. It's just a messenger. And the message mm-hmm. of fear is danger beware. There's a risk of harm. Right. Is there? There probably is. Mm-hmm. You are more than welcome to jump out of an airplane. You better get hit with fear before you jump out because if not, you just jump out. And Will's halfway to the ground. He's like, huh, that ground is rapidly approaching. Oh, man, I forgot that parachute thing. Mm. And Will's done. A fear-free person will soon be a dead person. Fear is just cautioning us, just tapping us on the shoulder and saying, Will, dude, you want to jump out of an airplane? That's fine, which I've done. It's an exhilarating thing. But (laughs) fear told me to be prepared, to pay attention uh, when you're on the interstate, you're doing 84 miles an hour, because I know you speed sometimes. Sometimes. Um, it's not those dotted white lines that keeps you in your lane. Right. You can weave right back and forth yep. all you want. It's fear that says, oh, the guy beside me is also doing 84 miles an hour. I need to pay attention here. Danger beware. There's a risk of harm. Right. And dang right, there's a risk of harm. Right. If you're not paying attention, you're going northbound on the southbound side of the interstate. Right. You're going, wee, I'm fear free, and you'll be dead. Right. And if I came in and said, you shouldn't have that, thus saith the Lord, right? The scripture says you shouldn't have that fear. Go 90 we would be out of bounds, right? So there is a biblical, holy Christ, mm-hmm. God-given, made-in-his-image fear yep. that we need to navigate. Yeah, but also, just for the record, the scriptures, and all you have to do is Google it, get a strong concordance, it. Hebrew, Greek. Uh, the message transliterated in English, which is a very poor transliteration, it's not do not fear, it's do not function based on that fear, mm. it's do not panic. And you think about it practically, just re- reason it through with God, Gabriel, an archangel, Mm -hmm. I've never met an angel. My understanding is they're pretty remarkable, appears to Mary, who possibly was 14 years old. Yep. 
and says, do not fear. You stop it. You stop fear. And Marion's like, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, sir, yes, sir. That doesn't make any sense. Right. How is this 14-year-old little girl not going to be flooded with fear? Right. Now, Gabe, what Gabriel actually said to her was, do not run away. Do not panic and run away based on the fear. But if she is just, and as a scientist, we know this now. This is just brain chemistry. I guarantee you we don't have Mary's brain scan. Mary felt fear. There's no way yeah. that the archangel Gabriel appeared to her and he, she didn't feel fear. What she could control, because we do not control emotions, we do control the behavior. And Mary could control the behavior. She could sit there trembling the whole time and not run away. And that's what she did. And yeah. she said, I'm the Lord's anointed man, you know, whatever, okay. I'm, I'm here. I'm available for the Holy One, and I will do, I will be whatever I need to be. Right. But that does not mean that she did not feel fear. And right. it's silly to think that, to think that Mary suddenly what? turned it off and decided yeah. not to feel fear. That doesn't make any sense. No. And I, I got super convicted in the, in a beautiful way of how I was processing fear, even how I was preaching fear, mm. not just fear, but other emotions. Yeah. Um, we, it's almost like a, a good old boys club where it's like, I have courage. I'm a missionary. Mm. I'm going to go and do this. You guys need to be like me. And you see us running into danger zones and oh. I'm not doing that. And maybe I'm not called where, it really took, it took, uh, it took um, a narrow, I think a narrow mindedness that I justified with the scripture based on my experience. Um, and it, it's allowed me to, to lead better. It's allowed me to see, see people and where they're, where they're processing, how they're processing and processing in a much better way. But I don't want to talk about me. Let's get back to the connection codes and to marriages. Cause I think a lot of people, at least as I was listening to you share, uh, about your journey, I'm like, yeah, I have that dishwasher mm. conversation every day, and it leads to me separating, you know, from from my wife and wanting to mm. spend time with her, right? Wanting to, and I know a lot of marriages that are like that. So, so you asked a question right in that moment where you, what are you feeling? And it, and I know it was a seed as well as your studies right. and your lived experience that has led to this tool mm -hmm. or this, uh, yeah, this, this beautiful system for lack of a better word, forgive me if I'm sure. not phrasing it well. Um, what, what is the next step after listening, not running away, not just responding the way you normally would like, what are the steps and walk people through these, these, um, dishwasher experiences? Mm. Well, I think, um, you know, I, I think for your listeners, what, what really stands out to me is understanding, especially the beauty of how God created us to have emotion. Mm. Like there's a part mm. of our brain that houses them. I did not know that till I was 50 years old. You're 50? Wow. I'm a little older than that now. Oh, dang. I didn't I'm understand impressed. that. And, and I think, wow, I grew up in a foreign country with parents who were missionaries oh. who, like, I grew up like understanding God and scripture and grace and faith and all the things did not understand emotion, did not know that God had a part of my brain housing emotion. Didn't know that till I was 50. Mm. I opted out of emotion. I mean, from a very young age, I opted out of emotion and it about wrecked my body because you cannot just store all that. It's supposed to be processed out of your body. 
And, you know, it was a health crisis that opened me up. Glenn was in school at this point. He was doing all this research. He was bringing it home. Fear was one of those. And I was like, I have no fear. And I mean, I had all the scriptures down. And, and when Glenn actually was trying to teach me the science behind it, I was flabbergasted yeah. in not like going, how have I never heard this? Right. Like that just blew my mind. How have I never understood this? And as soon as I understood that God made me this way, I wanted to, I leaned into that. Right. I'm like, okay, this is a messenger that I've been ignoring my mm-hmm. whole entire mm-hmm. life. Whoa. And to me, the beauty of it is, is to see God's hand in it and go, ah, my core emotions, that part of my brain is communicating to me. And I believe God is using that and I'm ignoring it. Yeah. And once I changed on that and I really tuned in, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so huge Mm. for my own self. Yep. And, you know, we created a tool that's called the core emotion wheel simply because a lot of people are like me. They do not know how to tune in to that region of their brain. They do not know how to listen. And, you know, emotions are not positive or negative. They just are. Yeah. So we need to tune in to ourselves. I think it starts there. Yeah. And then if I can tune into myself, then I can tune into him. And then it goes down just simple tools like what's happening for you Mm. and to be able to go, okay, well, let's do this core motion wheel, Mm. which is only a two minute per person thing where you go, okay, fear. When was the last time I felt fear? And then, and I felt fear Mm. earlier when we got here and you guys were standing on the edge Mm. of the Mm. cliff. For me, that's just a fear experience. But there were koi in the water. I didn't. And I I said it. Y'all were like, y'all were like, come down here. And I said, no fear. I have way too much fear. To stand on an edge, it's not worth it to me. Yeah. And, you know, I thought surely both of y'all were going to end up in the water, which I thought was well, a really was dumb. Was water getting me out of the water yeah. once yes. I would have done it. Yes, it was such a dumb yes. thing right before a podcast. I'm like, could we just do this after? <laughs> like after, then I don't care if y'all are wet and slimy, but could we wait? Uh, but see, for me, that's a fear experience. Mm. It's a beware. Could could we beware mm. in this moment? And my body and my, you know, equilib- equilibrium says, yeah. don't don't go on the edge of that. Just stay right here. And you know, you wanted me to see the koi and you fed them. So I got to see them, but I didn't have to do what y'all were doing, Mm. but it was like, it was a messenger, messenger, danger, beware. Mm -hmm. And, but I processed, I said it out loud to Mm -hmm. the two of y'all. Oh, I remember. So it didn't paralyze me and I didn't ignore it. And I didn't just walk away from it. I just said it. And then I was able to, you know, inch forward and enjoy. Yeah. And practically such a perfect example. I can turn to her and say, don't feel fear. Stop it. You stop feeling fear. And all I did was tell tell her, number one, you're wrong to feel fear. Number two, you're stupid. Right. See how well that does for this relationship. You know, if I tell her she's wrong, she's stupid. Whereas I don't know if you know that I just do the girl. I'm just like, Oh wow. Okay. Hmm, Yeah. I hear you. And she's just processing the fear. And a little side note that I just, this research came out not that long ago, which is just stunning to me. And the first time I read the research, I was like, that's silly. That's bad research. Uh, and now it's been replicated. So now I know it's, there's some efficacy to it. Humans can't experience a core motion for more than 19 seconds if it's not reactivated. Okay. That blew me away because I realized we're 19 seconds from changing the world. If we can just be present with each other, be safe mm. for each other, Again, follow the energy, and I find out what's happening for her. 
19 seconds later, number one, we're not disconnected. Number two, we're connected. And I believe it's the spirit of God, the genius of God. Now the negative has become a positive. The detriment has become a benefit. She felt fear. I'm present with her. I'm safe for her. Now we actually connected. We bonded because she felt whatever, fear, shame, guilt, pain, whatever. So now that painful experience has become a benefit to us. And now, it sounds weird to say, now I'm glad that I hurt her. Because when she told me that she felt hurt, and I said, oh, shoot, dang, babe, what? Those are all oohs. What happened for you there? (laughs) What did I miss? She goes, well, you said that thing, and I just felt some pain when you said it. I'm like, ugh. We call it the fourth phrase. I go, so what do you need? She goes, well, maybe just don't don't reference me. Don't compare me to my mother next time. Okay. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. And we're literally 20 right. seconds into this interaction, the exact same interaction 25 years ago, that would have been a three-day conflict. Right. Right. As I look back on so many of my arguments, I go, why did it start? Mm. And very rarely, it, it, how it started was of anything of significance. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But then yeah. we we would disconnect, we'd be angry, and then it would go on to mm-hmm. yep. uh, this exponential yep. thing. So what I think I heard you saying was 19 seconds. Mm-hmm. If you can handle that. Yep. Yeah. In a healthy way, yep. then it, it can dissipate it. Yeah. Well, and I love that you brought up your kids because sometimes I think uh, with your kids, you see the quickest change. Mm-hmm. Like for yeah. you to think differently about how you approach your kids. And we talk about this, one of the tools, don't ever ask why. Why didn't you do your homework? Why didn't you clean your room? Why are you late? Oh, yeah. Why do you feel that way? Why, Why do you, you feel that way? Yeah. yeah. That I, never works. This has changed never my, works. my relationship with my kids. Yeah. We did that. Never works. Never works with us. Right. I mean, he was the scientist always asking me why. I hated that question. Mm-hmm. When you change it to what's happening, yeah. you know, you walk in, you're the, obviously homework's not done, and you're like, hey, buddy, what's happening? Well, then you actually mm-hmm. are a part of his team, mm-hmm. her team, and you hear the real story right? versus why isn't your homework done? Well, they know they're in trouble. They know they now have done something wrong. You're upset. They obviously, just that one word, three letter word, why can just in relationship, it just puts a barrier Right. where when you say, Hey, what's happening? You, you can hear what's happening for your, mm-hmm. your team, yeah. your spouse, your yeah. kids, your, your, you know, people that you work with. It changes so much mm-hmm. that simple thing. And then, you know, when you also introduce the core emotions to them, then they can go, well, I was just feeling a lot of fear and gosh, you can go into such mm. deep, beautiful places. Yeah. And you yeah. know, this, this particular time here in, in our city, we've gone through some really mm. emotional yeah. seven days yeah. and, and to really tune into your kids and to be able to go, what's happening. Okay. They're just sitting there, you know, they're supposed to be doing math. They're not doing it. And the why question just puts them on defense. But if you say what's happening and they actually can speak the core emotion and they go, I'm just feeling really sad. Mm -hmm. You tune in and you go, Oh buddy, what's happening with sad. And they say, well, I've just been thinking about there's all that's Mm -hmm. been happening in the school shootings. And then you go, Oh, I get that. I hear that. You're not reassuring. You're hearing and making space. And then you're like, anything else happening with that? Well, I just, I feel fear now. I feel fear. Mm -hmm going to school. I feel fear for my friends that go to school. Mm. And then you've had this incredibly bonding conversation because you asked what's happening yeah. and because you've taught your kids to tune into their emotion. Right. And, and it's beautiful. And then you have this bonding moment 
and uh, and then before you know it, they're actually their their minds mm-hmm. are cleared, mm-hmm. and they're able to do their math. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. when they're flooded right. with all those emotions, they can't figure yeah. out what five plus five is. Right. right, and some of the science of that we now know. And again, these the, the connection comes are not a theory or a philosophy or a neat idea we came up with around a campfire. This is based on science. It's just the human condition. Uh, I'm not against personality profiles. Do all of them you can. Learn everything about yourself and your spouse and your kids and your friends and your everybody that you can. 100% supportive of that. But you, if you do not learn the connection codes, not because we say so, not because right. we wrote a book about it, the connection codes, the human condition, you will not connect deeply. And these emotions will store up. Oh, mm-hmm. I wanted to mention that real quickly just because you were talking before about you know being 50 and learning this. Um, Phyllis used to say, and many, many times said, oh, Glenn has enough emotion for both of us. I don't do emotions. And that does not mean I was the healthy one at <laughs> all by any means. I was just emotional. I did not process emotion well at all. And I, I wasn't the life of the party. I was the party. I, I was always the one that, you know, it was, again, there's an upside and downside to everything. It looks really cool, but there's yeah. a downside to Glenn's functioning as well. So the connection goes to help me bring it down so that it was manageable. Because I'm bouncing off the walls. I have so many uh, emotions that Phyllis didn't know what was happening. Yeah. I mean, she, I don't want to say never. I don't like to say never with human behavior. She never knew what was happening with me. And now, using the core emotion wheel, using the connection codes, now she tunes in or is able to tune in. And I'm able to tune into myself to be able to convey to her that, oh, I'm getting hit with fear mm. there or shame or guilt or pain or whatever it is that's happening. Because again, it's just brain chemistry. And so it has helped her, it's helped pull her out of herself into her own experience to see herself. It's helped bring me down so that I can actually make it manageable. Yeah. Not this blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, if Phyllis said to me, Hi, babe, how you doing? I'm 45 minutes into an answer. She fell asleep 38 minutes ago. <laughs> and then I'm offended that she fell right. asleep. Right. And, of course, she, she can't handle 45 minutes of, of blah, blah, blah. Whereas if I'm just able to say to her in the moment that oh, I'm feeling some sadness, yeah, now she gets that. Every human on the planet gets that. And the eight core emotions, part of the brilliance of this, is that it's just a human condition. Every human knows all eight core emotions. Every human. Whereas if you say something like I feel overwhelmed, I feel stressed, and that's fine. I'm not mad at anybody for saying that, but it does not convey to the other what's happening mm-hmm. at the core level. Mm-hmm. Those are all results. Yep. Overwhelmed is a result of yep. core emotions happening that weren't processed. And now I feel overwhelmed. Whereas if we trace it back and get to the core emotion, that will end up connecting. And that's part of the beauty. It's one of the things we discovered is that humans connect through emotion, not logistics. Yeah. And we have believed for but centuries. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Because this, okay. is a, this is a big one for me. And listen, feel free to use any of my personal stuff. Not my wife, because she's not here to give permission. But like, if you want to use any of our sessions and my issues as an example, I'm an I open book. I have that in writing. I got a pen. <laughs> I'll put it in my Bible. Like, seriously. Like, because this was a big one for me. Hmm. The logistics. Because I am, I'm logistics. You're a brilliant guy. I feel that way. There's an upside and downside to everything. My fear is non-existent when it comes to my brilliance. Uh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. But, but let's talk about this. Because <laughs> logistics took me a, a little while to actually figure out. Because hmm. I was like, this isn't... Logistics, this just makes sense. This is the way we do things. Uh, logistics is, is, you know, I'll pick you up and drop you off at this point. Like, what do you... It's facts, figures, information, yeah. When content. you say that in the context of, of an argument or, you know, disconnecting, what does that mean? Well, just back to the dishwasher story. Phyllis did not say Glenn's a pathetic loser. 
Glenn experienced her saying, Glenn's a pathetic loser. Mm -hmm. I did experience that. And she can take me to court. We call it the court case. She can take me to court, hire private attorneys, private investigator, and prove to a judge and a jury that she didn't say that. Okay, congratulations, fellas. You won the court case. You lost the relationship, but you won the court case. So what we tend to think is if I can prove my case, if I can win the court case, then I win. You won the court case. You're not going to win the relationship. So I can be totally correct and absolutely wrong at the same time. Totally correct about the information, Mm -hmm. what we call the logistics. I'm totally correct. You know, you said that seven times, and she's sure that she said it three times. Okay, so I won the court case. I've lost the relationship. So I can be totally correct and absolutely wrong relationally. So I did not take care of the relationship. For someone like me, being, being right logistically is tied in to my emotions, right? So it's like, we're here because you're getting the facts wrong and I want the facts mm-hmm. right. And once they're right, then we should be on the same page. Yeah. But I, but what I, what I hear you saying is you're, you're, you're disconnecting from the heart. You're disconnecting from mm. you're 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 pulling apart the real connection in any relationship just to be right. You know, like you're hurting somebody along the way. Yeah. And but for people like me, right, where it's so tied in, how do we navigate this? Like how can how can we navigate this yeah. better? Yeah. Have you skydived? No. Oh, really? I'm surprised. I okay. Well, I imagine you would be amazing as skydiving. I would so love to. So let's pretend do. for a second that you sure. have. Okay, so you and I have. Phyllis is going to go with us, but she won't even watch me skydiving mm-hmm. because she says no. she doesn't want to watch me splat, <laughs> which yeah. I feel like is discouraging, yeah. but whatever. So <laughs> we're, the three of us are going to go skydiving. Will's hyped up, flooded with joy, super excited. Glenn's excited. Phyllis says, I feel so much fear. I am terrified. And Will and Glenn go, what? No, we've tested these parachutes we've got good instructors the blah 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 the whatever we're making it worse for her because we're telling her she's wrongly experienced fear and she's stupid so we've just made it worse for her not better and we've proven our point Mm -hmm. we are correct will and glenn are correct that this is the number one leading parachuting company in the world they've had zero accidents in 70 whatever yeah and we're trying to prove our point to her that doesn't change her fear level at all. Now she not only feels fear, she also feels shame. Because now we've humiliated her and told her she's an idiot that she feels fear. And now we've made it worse, not better. And now the girl isn't going to talk to me for three days. She's never going to talk to you again. She's married to me. She's stuck. Um, but she's not going to talk to you because you're a jerk. And she's certainly never going skydiving with you again. I don't know if that answers just logistically. How do we logistically, you know, in our marriages especially, how right. do we fight Cause that's what happens. You know, it's like, it's the whole, I didn't say that five times. I only said it once. No, right. you didn't. You said it five times. You know, there's times where we get so stuck on one thing. Mm. And I remember we did this many times where it was like, I wish we had just like in sports, I wish mm. we had the rewind Instant and replay. can yep. show that yep. Yep. whole thing again, because she used to tell me that I wish yeah. we had a video of our life. Yeah, yeah. Because I would hear how he would, describe a scenario and I would be like, I know that's not what I said. Mm. I know that's not what happened, but he had many more words than I always did. And so logistically he could out logistic me every time. And often the only way we would ever come to peace, especially if it was lasting for days and weeks Mm. is that we would go sit down with another couple Mm -hmm. and then we would put all the logistics on the table. 
you know, and even in that process, it always seems so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, so absolutely ridiculous. And, and it was, it was the putting it on the table where you go, we're really fighting over the logistics of a ridiculous scenario. And it doesn't make sense. And, you know, usually I, I hate to say that, but probably the majority of the time, our friends would always side with me. It's close to a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it was because we didn't understand what was happening for Glenn. It was always the logistics. I really knew confidently that in a sense I was right, but what he was experiencing, no one ever got, no one could quite understand. And so, you know, to me, the beauty of the connection codes is in the simple of asking what's happening for you. That's Mm. what's really matters. Mm. And, you know, I I thought of this, it has more to do with kids, but young kids who, you know, you, you, you have this bedtime routine and perhaps you're, you know, you're laying down with your little, you know, three, three year old and, or four year old. And they're like, I'm, I'm, I ha, I, you know, I'm afraid of the monsters kind of thing. Well, you as the adult know, there are no monsters, Mm -hmm. cookie monster or some of those other ones from, you know, cookie monster. I know. I I went to cookie monster. Okay. I don't think anybody's scared of cookie monster. What's, what's the, um, you know, I'm thinking (laughs) the blue guy, it's not cookie monster. Uh, The blue guy. Yeah. Like on, um, Barney. No, <laughs> nobody's afraid Are of you Barney. Like monsters? Eight? Yes, thank yeah. you. Who uh, is Sully. that? Sully. Oh, thank oh, you. Right, right. Thank you. Maddie. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Pictures going up in the Sully. corner. Sully. Okay. <laughs> so it's that whole well, idea of your kid is afraid that there's a monster that Sully's in the closet. Right. Well, logistically, you can you can prove that Sully is not right. in the closet. You can prove there's not a monster under the bed, behind the curtain. I mean. And, and we've heard this from parents. What you're doing totally. in that moment is you're mm-hmm. resisting your child's energy. And you're telling them they're wrong. Yes. And so you're and reactivating stupid. their fear no. in the very trying to prove to them there is no monster. And even like, okay, we'll turn on a light. We'll turn on a nightlight. Mm-hmm. We'll have on. You, you come up with all these logistical things. Finally, out of sheer exhaustion on both parts, mm-hmm. you both fall asleep. So now the parent is in the bed with the kid because that is the only way that this kid's going to go to sleep. Then the parent wakes up, sneaks out, and about two hours later, the kid starts crying because the kid is scared that there's there's a monster. monster Right. But when you actually, and this is for any of you that are that are parents, try this. Mm. Like it's amazing because when you actually don't resist their energy and try to reassure them that there aren't monsters, and you go. And you listen to the yeah. fear and you go, oh, yeah, I get that. I remember when I was little, I was afraid of frogs. I always thought there was a frog under the bed. Mm-hmm. And it's like all of a sudden before you know it, they're actually asleep. Yeah. And we have literally gotten dozens, maybe yes, hundreds emails. of letters crazy. Emails specifically about that scenario. That scenario. And I will say this to the whole audience. Part of the beauty of the connection codes is the simplicity of yes. it. If you don't believe any of this, you're like, that Glenn guy's yeah. weird, something's wrong with him. <laughs> Do your own research. For the next three weeks, never ask anybody why. Ask them what happens yeah. mm. for you. For the next three, just three weeks. It's not going to kill you. There's no, It's not going to eat up your liver. There's no side effects to it. <laughs> so for the next three weeks, just follow people's energy. So if someone says, I feel fear, you go, oh, it's called an ooh. You go, oh, wow, hmm. Okay, so what else happens for you with that? You follow their energy. Uh, I've issued this challenge literally to tens of thousands of people. 
do it for three weeks and then send me a nasty email that says that's the stupidest thing. It didn't work. Because it's based on the human condition. If you get people to breathe oxygen, they will breathe well. If you try to get them to breathe ice cream, they won't breathe well. That's not because I'm a genius. It's because it's the human condition. That's just what works. Well, and going back to what you were saying, Will, about logistics, like I know you could say this, that anytime you feel like, well, I won that fight because logistically Mm, I proved my point, you don't ever walk away feeling great. You just don't. There was that but yeah, that's that separate one time. from that. Yeah, no. Yes. No, it's true. Because like, you feel like you've lost yeah. something. You yeah. you you right. you, you yeah, were you proven right. Right. You won the court right. case, but no one comes out of court. Nope. So often you've lost so much mm. in a court case. I mean I, I think for me the hard thing is I live in a world where I need to be right or wrong. Life or death decisions. At times, not always. But yeah. you know, right or wrong. Like mm-hmm. that's and we make decisions that way, of course. Absolutely. And then but but going into the home. Mm-hmm. And bringing that back in. So this is so simple, right? Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's so counterintuitive to what everybody wants to do? Even in the church who who yeah. gives their life to yeah. read the scripture, study this, love the Lord, hopefully be soft and kind mm. and and gentle and meek. Why why is this so counterintuitive if it is so natural? Mm. Because we're not taught this. Mm. I think it's that simple. I think once people understand it and they try it one time, their minds are blown. Yeah. Because I know for me at a, at a young age, I was taught to be an encourager. Mm-hmm. It's like a, I was literally taught how to give people a scripture of encouragement. I was taught mm-hmm. to say, you know, uh, God loves you. I'm praying for you. Yeah. And it, I thought I was a great listener. And I remember people would say, oh, you, you're so wise at such a young age. And, you know, and that felt really good. I mean, that just kind of reaffirmed to me, ah, okay, you know, the more the more scriptures I use, and, and I did it out of a pure heart. Mm. It wasn't that I was in any way had an evil intent. I just didn't realize that people weren't feeling heard. Yeah. And I think that we miss some of those basic things. Like we just don't understand that actually they slow down, mm. slow down with people because when you ask what's happening, mm-hmm. we so often feel like we know, right? And I think especially if you're in leadership, in, 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 in ministry leadership, you get so burned out because you're constantly hearing the people's problems. You think you have to solve them all, <laughs> which is exhausting. Yeah. And especially when you see they don't do anything I tell them to do. Right. Right. They're still living in that defeat. Yeah. So then we just get ourselves exhausted mm-hmm. because we think that that's what we're supposed to show up about instead of realizing, you know what? I just need to make space for their pain and I need to sit with them in it. Yeah. We don't want to sit with people in yeah, their pain. And here's the science behind this. Uh, I assume most of your audience is faith-based. Uh, if you're not, that's fine. Uh, we accept you. There's no judgment here. But the science of it is, with or without a God, uh, we're faith-based. We believe God designed all this. But even if it's just evolutionary, there is no God and this is the human condition. It's still the human condition. The limbic system engages before the cortexes do. The limbic system is what houses, is the central command center for emotion. Emotion occurs throughout the body, but this is the central command center. The limbic system engages before the cortexes. The cortexes are where thought, reason, logic occur. So what we're doing is we're putting up the, the letters on a wall, you know, the big E, you know, for an eye test with Will, and the room is filled with smoke. And we're going, Will, read the eye chart. And he's like, well, I can't see that. We're like, Will, these letters are very large. Just read the stupid eye chart. And Will's like, I can't see it. 
It's not something wrong with your eyes. The room is filled with smoke. There's no way you're going to be able to read this. So what we're doing to people is we're telling them, engage the cortexes while the limbic system is flooded. It cannot be done. We did a lot of research on this early on where we would watch people and we actually say with the Connection Code's presentation is that you end up being a dumber version of yourself. So we're looking at Will going, what is the matter with you? Are you so stupid that you don't know your alphabet? Read the freaking chart, Will. And Will's like, I can't see the chart. Oh, so you're blind, huh? No, I'm not blind. There's smoke in the room. So when the limbic system is flooded, the cortexes either do not engage at all sometimes or they engage at a much lower level. Right. And so now Will is a D minus student, not because he's stupid. Mm. It's because his limbic system is flooded. I'm amazed at times that people function at all based on the science (laughs) because the limbic system is so flooded for so many people. I'm amazed that they even remember their name. Uh, and that some of our research actually showed that we did one where um, people would we'd have them do their multiplication tables, and then we'd have uh, somebody slam a door behind them uh, unexpectedly, yeah. and we would watch people go six times one is six, six times two is twelve, six times three, and then the door slam, and they would go six times three is uh, 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 twenty, not twenty, uh, six times three is fifteen. It's not fifteen. They don't know what six times three is. Yeah. These people are idiots. No, they're human. And the limbic system is so flooded, their cortexes don't engage, and they cannot remember yeah. what six times three is. That, now, that sounds like a silly experiment, and it is. Uh, but that happens all the time in our daily life, all the time. Our research says that people are operating at about a 36% capacity. That's about a third. Now, I don't believe in 100%. Nobody's operating 100%, certainly not on a long-term basis. But I want to get people up 75 80 85 90% of their capacity. And what we found with couples we sit with where we're helping them just become connection coders is their income increases drastically in a year and a half because now they're smarter versions of themselves, not because they were dumb before their limbic system was flooded all the time. This was very much true. You know, our story earlier, as far as me running a business, I was flooded with pain, with shame with this woman all the time. So now it takes me 15 hours to get six hours of work done for the day. Uh, and I also deal with a number of other issues. Uh, but what, and Phyllis and I are a power couple, not yeah. because we're better than anybody else, is because we've processed through emotions so fast. Yep. The research also shows that co regulating, so when we're partnering, when we're connected and we're a team, co regulation uses about 80% less glucose than self regulation. Most people are self regulating all the time. Glucose is what runs yeah. the brain, the brain is what runs the body. So we're burning through fuel so fast. So you've been getting 30 miles a gallon to the car, in your car. Now you're getting six miles to the gallon. You're like, oh my gosh, I filled up with gas like yesterday. I think I'm going to have to fill up again tomorrow. Or the converse, you've been getting 30 miles a gallon in your car. Now you're getting 150 miles a gallon in your car. And you're like, babe, I filled up with gas like a month ago. You're not burning through fuel. Mm. And people are burning through fuel so fast they're exhausted all the time, every day. And then they wake up in the morning more exhausted and when they went to sleep, and now they're supposed to go out and do something productive. Yeah. And they're worn out, even before they start the day. And then you add on top of that, because now they're not going to get squat done in the day, so now they feel even more burdened, and it's just a downward spiral. And before you know it, they're operating at who knows what, 36, yeah. 22, uh, 17% capacity, and they don't understand how this incredibly intelligent person is not successful. Right. It's a very, very simple fundamental thing. I know when Moosey and I are. Like when we're connected, yep. I feel like I can conquer the freaking yes. world. Yep. Yep. I, I and I I know I can. Yep. Yeah. When we're when when she's back 
back in me and I'm back in her. Yep. Um, it's, it's, I, f- I, I know that I feel like, I mean, we're definitely not there, but I feel like we wasted so much time, mm. which is one of the reasons why I wanted to get you guys on. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like we did. We wasted a lot of time. I wish mm. I had these tips and tools. Oh my gosh. I resisted. Can tools. I say something real yeah, quick? Please. Cause, <laughs> and we, one of our favorite things to do is work with pre-married couples and young couples. And I'd tell them after a little while when we get some traction with them, I'm like, you know, you piss me off because you're 28 years old and you're so far. It's not fair. We did all the hard work. <laughs> and when we were 28, we were drowning and yeah. barely breathing. And you pissed me off. Not you, but this couple. Because I'm like, it's not fair. It's not right that you're 26 and you're already on point with so it. So what happens to you when you feel that, Dr. I feel no, I'm so just much, kidding. I'm serious. I feel so much sadness. and so much shame. I kid you not. Because I'm like, I'm supposed to be a freaking smart person. And I was in my 50s yeah. whenever I got traction relationally with this woman and i do i mean there's a lot of sadness i think my gosh how did we miss so badly we're not this dumb and we operated dumb for a very long time because our limbic systems were flooded we had no idea how to clear them out and so our cortexes which is where all the smart stuff happens the executive functions of the brain they did not engage and we looked like really lesser versions of ourselves i think it was at legacy when you were doing a session or you did a couple of weeks there and I came to every one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you, there was a an analogy, or there was a something that you used. You talked about raising someone up a foot off the ground mm-hmm. and then two feet. Was that regarding mm-hmm. the limbic system? Yeah, absolutely. Could you share that? Like something yeah. hit me across the forehead when you said that. Yeah, that's why your forehead looks yes. so weird. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I was wondering wow. about that. Yeah. I didn't want to ask because that's awkward. It is, um, but uh, <laughs> you know, I said I would be an open book. I get it. Um, well, the research shows that. Uh, you sit, put somebody in a chair, take them outside, mm-hmm. raise them a foot off the ground. They're probably fine. Five feet up, they start getting hit with fear. We measure that. Again, this is all just science stuff. It's just research. Um, we measure that with pulse rate, sweat glands, and breathing, a rate of breathing. So they start getting escalated. You raise them up to 10 feet. They, that's a story high. Because now if I dump you out of this chair, it's not going to kill you, but it's going to hurt like yeah. crazy. What the research showed is that about 40, on average, 43 feet, people max out on the fear experience. So now I can raise up to 60 feet, 100 feet, 200 feet, a half mile. It doesn't make any difference. You're still escalated, but you plateaued out because your your heart rate can't just keep increasing. It, it just kill you. So uh, we use 43 feet as just a reference point. Uh, and, and when you think about, for example, the fear experience, there's only one fear region of the brain. There's not a apprehension region as well. Mm-hmm. There's not a uncertainty region. Uh, so those are all fear experiences. 43 feet of fear is going to be something like terrified, petrified, words yep. like that. But way down here on the other end, pick a number, two feet of fear is going to be uncertain. Well, I'm, I feel a little bit uncertain about trying that. I feel some fear mm-hmm. about trying that. Not 43 feet of fear. Not, I'm not terrified to try this thing. Uh, but in words like um, uh, unsure, um, apprehension, yeah. dread, Yep. Again, we don't have any science on this, but dread is, pick a number, is 26 feet uh, of fear. Uh, it's not 43 feet of fear. I'm not maxed out on it, but I'm dreading this test more. Mm. I feel a good bit of fear. And to be able to process that. Uh, and what you, and this is also true of joy, by the way. It's very important that people get that. Joy is not positive or negative. It just is. It just exists. Just like oxygen. You don't walk in a room and go, where's the good oxygen? I want to find the good oxygen. No, there's just oxygen. You're not thinking about that. So emotion is not good, bad, right, or wrong. It just is. 
And joy, people do idiotic things from 43 feet of joy. Yeah. Uh, somebody, some dude buys a car. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm flooded with joy about right. this car. I just love this car. Right. And he buys a car. He can never afford that car. Right. Six months from now, it's going to be repossessed. Well, joy caused him to buy this car. And right. we've all done that. We've all oh, bought yeah. things, binge watched. You know, babe, we watched that entire season that last <laughs> night. It was so awesome. I just loved it. And now I have to get up in two and a half hours yeah. and go to work. So that was a bad decision. Based on unprocessed uh, joy, I could tell you endless stories. It's stunning to me the stupid things I've done in my life based on joy. And everybody thinks joy is great. Like, oh, yeah. joy is wonderful. Joy is from God. Well, sort of, because God designed the human body. But joy can be incredibly damaging. Yeah. It can be. Uh, all affairs come from joy. Uh, adultery. Yeah. It comes from joy. You connect with this other person and you feel great about them. So, great. There's joy in that. Mm, no, it's a bad decision. From unprocessed joy. Did I answer the question? I probably Well, yeah. I mean, actually, you, you really did. But I think that's the beauty of the connection codes is, at least for me walking away, you said, listen, let's deal with it at one foot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Instead Process, of, right. instead exactly. of which is 19 yep, yep, seconds. Yep. Mm-hmm. Instead yep. of mm-hmm. waiting until it gets mm. to 23. Because most of the time, and I felt this, at least when Moosey and I were at wit's ends with each other. Mostly her fault, but um, uh, wow. you know, but you know, just Matthew, can you edit me. that part out? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm, I'm flag totally right baby. I love you. I love you. Um, <laughs> people spend weeks or months, mm-hmm. right, when they're at the twenty or thirty or forty feet. Another thing that was fascinating was that from forty-two feet up, it doesn't matter. You're just right. dealing with somebody that's in chaos. Yeah, and they'll go, yeah. and uh, and. The solution, it will be they come crashing down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know. For me, it was such a beautiful analogy of saying, listen, let's deal with this at one foot right. yeah. or two feet. Well, and, you know, we could talk for days, right? Yeah. Mm. But eventually we're going to run out of time. Uh, our, listener, our listeners are going <laughs> to get weary of listening. But uh, so before we go any further, just a note, we do have a book. Yeah. We let's, do have master classes about all of this. So if you've heard stuff and you're like, oh my word, I'm going to either have to listen to this podcast a hundred times or <laughs> I need more. We definitely have that. But I, I do want to go back to what you're saying with just the one foot. And because we do get emails of people who are beginning this journey. Yep. And this is what we call the dam breaking. Because if you've been living with unprocessed emotion in your relationship, in your marriage or in your ministry or with your kids, when you start down this road and, and you start touching some of these things, you, you may go Mm. through a period where it seems like stuff is coming out of you that you didn't even know was in there. And we always say, just hold on for dear life Mm. because when a dam breaks, Mm. it is very scary but it will eventually become a, a smooth river once again. Yeah. And that's your goal. But when when things like this, when you start to realize, you know, that, wow, I have not been dealing with mm. my emotions in a healthy way. I don't know how to process. I don't know how to even find my emotions. This is an incredible journey that is so needed. But there are moments where you go, Oh my word. Mm. I didn't know that was all in there. I didn't yeah. know for my, my these people or for myself or for my family whatever. Mm. And so the, there are there's so much more to this and that's why we created these master classes mm. yeah. uh, where we're teaching this because mm. you you just touch it and you begin to go, "Wow, okay. I have not learned how to do this well. Mm. I've just been 
you know, basically shutting it down. Like you're yeah. fine, you're fine, yeah. you're fine. Mm-hmm. Which is again, not from a bad heart, but often right. we mm-hmm. come at it thinking, let me just reassure you. Mm-hmm. And I did that forever with Glenn for, for decades. Me, I have to yes. Underscore from a yes, good from intention because she adores yes. me and she genuinely mm-hmm. was trying to help. You know, to try to reassure him that mm-hmm. he was a wonderful man and that he was a great father and a yeah. great leader and all those things. And it just constantly didn't work because no. what he was, I was resisting what needed mm-hmm. to come out. Yeah. And it was, it's almost like when you see it in that way, okay, God created this in us, but he also wants us to speak it so that it comes yeah. out of us. Yeah. And that is huge, you know, and that's the resisting of it is the trying to always reassure everyone, yeah. you know, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. You're great. You're great. You're great. And actually that just stuffs that right back mm. in them. Yeah. And that keeps it from coming out, and it, yeah. it damages us yeah. on so many levels. Yeah, and, uh, you know, of course, wide audience, so there's going to be a few people in this audience that are really thrown by this. But mm-hmm. if we look at Jesus from a faith-based perspective, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says to his uh, to um, Peter, James, John, he says, I'm overwhelmed with sadness yes. to the point of death. And my fear is that we would stand there as modern faith-based Christian people right. go, oh, you need to be more like Jesus. You need to choose joy, Jesus. Wait, you need to be more like Jesus, but you are. And if you just go through Jesus' life yeah. and look at so many of the core emotions that happen all the time, we actually know now medically the reason Jesus' uh, sweat mixed with blood was because of fear. That's the only time that that ever happens in the human condition. Really? So Jesus is flooded with fear. Would you be flooded with fear? I would be flooded with fear. Jesus, I don't know that he knew all the details. He knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. And there was that is a non-human experience. God, pff, Jesus didn't feel any fear. Of course not. He was just like, what, excited about the, the scourging that was about to happen? Yeah. Uh, excited about crucifixion? No. Jesus felt a tremendous amount of fear. But our goal is to process that fear so that it's not. It's just tapping you on the shoulder. The message of fear is danger beware. There's a risk of harm. I pro- well, let me just say this real quick. Sorry. Okay. Um, guilt and shame are amazing coaches. They just tap mm. you on the shoulder and they say, Glenn, you missed something with your partner. Mm. You, you, you missed that, buddy. Good. I'm glad I felt guilt. And I don't want to drown in guilt for three days or three weeks, which I used to do all the time. But it's just tapping me on the shoulder going, hey, dude, you've missed that thing with her. She felt really hurt. She felt really wounded by yeah. what you said good. I'm glad I felt guilt because if I don't feel guilt, then I just keep repeating it Mm. over and over and over Mm. again. And for the record, a guilt and shame-free person is what we call a sociopath. So in a lot (laughs) of our churches, we're trying to create more sociopaths. And we really are trying to get rid of guilt, shame, fear, and pain. Mm. That's called a robot. Wow. We're trying to create robots and we're telling people that they can be fear-free, they can be guilt-free, they can be shame-free. No. Now, again, I'm not trying to get them to drown in this fear. To drown, I want them to process the fear. The end result is actually the same. It's just an actual functional way uh, of doing this. I probably, I don't keep track, I probably get hit with shame just as much now as I did 30 years ago. Now I process it in eight seconds, yeah. which blows my mind. If you had asked me 30 years ago, Glenn, how often do you get hit with shame? I would have said never because right. I was drowning in shame all the time. You know, Does a fish know that it's wet? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I guess it doesn't. Yep. It was just surrounded with water. So I was always in shame. And now I get hit with shame. I process it in eight seconds. It mm. just taps me on the shoulder, cues me into something, and then I make a shift. And now I'm actually a better version of Glenn because I got hit with shame. And it's not just getting bottled up and right. pops. Yeah. 
And I think exactly. that's when that's when I jump in in situations, whether it's on the field or missionaries. Right, right, we're right. dealing with the cleanup, and okay. uh, mm. or or divorce, right, or the kids out of control, or whatever yeah. it is, because they're finding they're finding it someplace else. Yeah. So I, wow. I, I love it. And and we can talk for hours, but uh, we've actually gone way long, which I love. I can actually do this for, for hours. But uh, I thought we were at 15 minutes. No, 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 we're, no. We're, we're in it to win it. So listen, really, really quickly. Um, first of all, uh, if you want to dip your toe in the water, which I would encourage all of yeah. you to dip your toe in the water, y'all put out more content on Instagram than most people I know. Oh, it, cool. that's, that's like teaching. Yeah, people put a yeah. lot of pictures up, and you know, but like you guys have so many nuggets mm. on your Instagram all the time. I love it. Cool. Mm. Uh, it's such a great place to get fed, but of course, that's just the entry yeah. point. Well, there you there have are a, lot of, a, lot. a lot of options. We do, and and we are very passionate to get mm. it out. So whether you are someone who's on social media, you can follow us. It's connection codes. We yeah. also have a podcast where we just teach this over and over every week. A new episode comes out. Yeah. We do have the master class, and if you are a part of a ministry, we even have designed it so you can go through it as a church, as yeah. you know, a group, which is a much cheaper way to do it. For your listeners, we actually have a special code. So if you go to connectioncodes.co forward slash green room, all one word, green room, then you will have access to the core emotion wheel and also just another teaching video. And then if you want to purchase any of the things and you use the discount code green room, all one word, you'll get 20% discount. So we really want and love this opportunity. You know, we love what you do with Irish global. We love Mm. just how much you care about Mm. what happens and in people's lives. And I love what you just said is that you're so often called in, you know, when things have already exploded and we just want to get ahead of that. Right. You know, we just want to bring tools and and the tools that Connection Codes has. It's like we've done all the research and we've created tools that are simple. Yeah, it's super simple. Yeah. Yeah. And that is what's so encouraging in all languages. Like you take that core emotion wheel and you translate it into any language Mm -hmm. and it's a simple translation. Mm -hmm. It's not a complicated thing. And we love that. And we hear from all over the world where people are doing that and are teaching that one simple tool. And it's amazing. It just makes such a difference to go, wow, God, put this in there. Let's tune in. Let's listen. Let's learn this stuff. Come on. Well, uh, thank you so much for doing the discount code. I didn't even ask for that. You guys are incredible. We we will put a link below. Great. Uh, So so go and click below. Uh, Do you have any last words? Well, I I don't usually mention this, but I'm just going to... um, I, I know that it's an expense. I get that. We're, we're literally trying to reach the world with this, mm. and there are a lot of cultures that just don't have money. Mm. They just mm. don't. And I, we're in contact with people like that all the time. We run the Connection Codes LLC as a business, and I just ask people, just spend the money. If you've got some money, spend the money, because that actually helps fund the people mm. that don't. Yeah. And again, we hear from people every week that are like, we got nothing. Can mm-hmm. you help us? And to be able to fund r- reaching scenarios where they just don't. Yeah. I mean, they have no mm-hmm. resources uh, at all. And there's intellectual theft going on. Uh, our CEO <laughs> fusses at me for saying this, but, and we're honored by that. I mean, there are cultures that they're just broke. They're just they sharing nothing. it. Mm-hmm. And they're... Uh, you know, literally running off copies of our book, which is illegal. And we celebrate that 
Sorry, Tira. It's just true. Um, but the people that can't afford it, just spend the money. It, yeah. Number one, it's worth it for you. You deserve goodness. You deserve connection. Mm. You deserve deep, deep uh, connected relationships. But also you're kind of helping fund scenarios that they don't have the resources. Yeah. And uh, I just beg people to, because we don't take donations or anything, um, but to, to help us on this global quest, because it's that significant. It's that huge. Yeah. I've been doing podcasts for years. I've been having people in. You are the first one that I've brought in that of any of the people that have spoken into my marriage that aren't, you know, just a friend or a pastor, but tools, systems that we've brought in to help. You're the first. And I, and I, I don't do that lightly. Mm, I really don't. You. So yeah. I, I, uh, I really love what you guys have done mm. for my friends. And mm. there's more than one friend that we have that has mm. used, used uh, your tools yeah, for my own family, um, for my church. Mm. Um, Lyle, Pastor Lyle and Allison. <laughs> I think Allison is probably one of your biggest fans mm. walking planet Earth. And, and yeah. Lyle, Lyle as well. Mm. Um, we, we really, really, really appreciate you guys. And I'm super grateful that I get to have you on our little podcast and share you guys cool. with our friends. Cool. And so please uh, check it out. Go to their website. Uh, sign up for their Instagram. Get their book. It's on Amazon. It's also on your website. Yeah. I don't know. Just on Amazon. Sure. It's on Amazon. I know nothing. It's it's on Amazon. <laughs> Go get it in in its connection codes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stop looking at me. I'm the least informed member of the connection codes <laughs> team. Yes. I, I apologize. Yes. I'm well, just the, I'm just yeah. a cute face. And uh, and yeah, uh, it's been a real pleasure. So Thank love you. you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Will. And thanks for coming on. <laughs> Listen, if you liked it, I know you did, but. I know you liked it, so share it with somebody. Yes. Uh, send this to uh, a family member, a friend mm. that's yeah. going through a struggle in marriage. I actually ended up backstage uh, at a at a corn show, giving some of your guy, giving some of their guys uh, uh, the wisdom that I learned from 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 you guys, wow. as well as another dude that so runs cool. a, a drug rehab center. Wow. And uh, Love that. Got, gave him your book. And I, I texted him back and back and forth. He's beginning to implement some wow. of the rehab they're using. Love it. Amazing. But, uh, yeah, love you guys. Bless Thank you guys. You. Thank, Thank you. you. See you guys. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, Thanks, guys. How long do you think that was? <laughs>